I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Hi folks, and welcome to Frack Stars on Hollow Sweet Media, your Battlestar Galactic podcast, where we discuss all manner of things uh, Battlestar Galactica related, um, with the odd divergence, shall we say, here and there into um, basically anything and everything. So, I am joined this evening by our two regulars, and they are Drogon. Hi Drogon. Greetings. How's things across the pond? Cold and windy. Now that's England, mate. That's not <laughs> this is a very English weather today, I guess. Oh, well, there you go, dude. It's in simple food. So, and of course, it's been, it's been, uh, says we are relating to England. Of course, it's Steve Sayer. Hi, Steve. Hello. See, dragons nicked our weather. Excellent. I'm sure you're not. Sorry to get rid of it. No, well, it'll come back. It always does. Uh, I want more of it. It's been too bright and sunny. My allergies have gone. Absolutely mental. I think I'm, today I am quite glad it was bright and sunny because it was VA day. So all the veterans in London had a nice day to, to remember their comrades. So I'm quite glad about that. Indeed. That's always good. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want to we, we, we don't really celebrate VE day over here anymore, but we got Memorial Day coming up, which is similar. Yeah, you kind of do everything in one, don't you? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but uh, see, the thing is, it is obviously because from our perspective, the A day is like because of Victory in Europe, but I think uh, they should also make a similar effort for the VJ day because you know the fighting carried on after, so you know, but the VA day seems to be the main one over here. But we do have Memorial Day on November 11th, we remember everyone that's fallen in combat mm-hmm. on what used to be Armistice Day, of course. Yeah, yeah, so uh. It's nice that the kids today don't know about Armistice Day, but I do. No, don't they? They are googling as we speak. I'm sure they are. <laughs> That's how they find everything out, don't they? Uh, well, me too, actually. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just wait for everybody else to Google it. Please. Yeah, I just wait for everyone else to Google, and then they tell me. So there you go. My I typing is terrible. So if I Google it, I'm bound to do something wrong, and then I'll end up. 
going somewhere I didn't want to go, and some of them you don't want to go to. That's just your excuse for the dodgy sites you visit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Sussed. <laughs> but anyway, we're not here to talk about um, Armistice Day and, and dodgy websites. Um, which Steve's got bookmarked, by the way. But we are here to talk about Battlestar Galactica. And we are going to do Season 2, Episode 4, uh, which is written by Tony Graffia, directed by Adam Croker, and guest stars Richard Hatch, who some of you will remember from the original Battlestar Galactica, who plays, um, what can only be described as a, an anti-hero, which is Tom Zarek. We were talking about him last time. We kind of decided that he was a very changeable character, essentially whatever the writers need him to be, and which totally fits the character because he's whatever he needs himself to be. Yeah, the beginning of this episode sort of... It basically starts where last week finished. Um, and though a lot of what we'll talk about will be what we talked about last week in a way because it you've got Ty doing exactly the same thing and... <laughs> so... It, this one and the next one are very much continuations i mean this whole front end of this season is all kind of one big storyline or actually three big storylines that are going to come together very soon yeah in this episode we see the convergence of two of those storylines we have the uh people from the raptor crash on cobalt are finally back with the fleet yeah but they don't exactly get a hero's welcome not exactly no no it starts off with well Tied drinking and interrogating. Doesn't everything the chief. start that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the chief is being interrogated, and basically, he's basically suspected of being a Cylon. So not just a Cylon collaborator, but a Cylon himself. <laughs> so now that now that we obviously we've watched the entire series, and spoilers coming up, folks. So if you haven't watched the entire series, turn off for five minutes. But now that we've watched the entire series and we actually know that he is a Cylon. Yeah, it makes the scene extra funny, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes the scene a bit... I was going to say, it makes the scene a bit funny. He's going, oh, I'm not a Cylon. You're thinking, uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's, there's there's all kinds of moments like that if you look throughout, throughout the series uh, with, you know, the final five. Because we know who they are now having watched the whole series, but, you know, there there's all kinds of things that... And, you know, maybe the writers didn't even know at this point who they were going to have be the remaining Cylons. In fact, we haven't met all the other seven yet, so I, I, I don't think the writers knew at this point. No, I don't think the writers knew at this point, but we know that these is two of them. So the fact that the one is accusing the other one of being a Cylon, and they're both denying, and a lot of the same like, vitriolic stuff about Cylons, but we as viewers know, hey... Uh, newsflash, you two are Cylons. <laughs> but, speaking about Ty being drunk, as usual, um, I did like the bit where he threw the flask away and then went back for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I, he, don't, I don't need this crap. Oh, hang on, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's, it, it, he just can't help it, really. No, and he's it, it's, it's drinking. I mean, his relationship with his missus is it's definitely a love-hate relationship um i mean slightly jumping ahead obviously but she does come into this scene and she she just does what she always does which is pushes buttons boy that drinking yeah well we sort of discussed last time about how they have this really strange relationship where one minute they can be shouting and pushing each other around and the next minute they're on top of each other um yeah they seem to have this strange sort of coexistence with each other which you can't really say they're good for each other <laughs> no <laughs> they're really not but they somehow work for each other and it's a crazy strange relationship yeah it's i mean getting back to the interrogation i, I, I was obviously with you've already mentioned the fact that you're viewing it knowing the soul on it, but did any of you think that colonel ty was taking it out on on the chief because of his guilt over what had happened. Um, I reckon he was just taking... Well, he was taking it out on everybody. No matter who it was, he was snapping and angry because 
he was out of his depth. He never wanted command. He even said that in the last episode. And he resented being in that position, which is strange because why accept a position where if something happens to the commander, it then does become your job. <laughs> yeah, but, why, ex- why accept promotion to colonel if you don't want responsibility? Yeah, because he, he says... So I, I think the commander must have, you know, kind of pressured it into him a little bit. Because, yeah, well, we, you know, we saw the both of them before they got back in the fleet. And I think Ty might have been just happy to, you know while away his life till he died in a bar fight but i think you know the the commander really pushed him to to get back and get back in control of his life um which control of his life um shouldn't include his wife definitely that's where he loses that control yes yes he's he's in control until she shows up and then he basically falls apart which blows the myth out of the water that beyond every great man is a great woman because basically beyond every in this case it's beyond every drunk man is a drunk woman there you go. But I also think I that think I said took, something like that last time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also think that he took the promotion because he in, in his head he always thought, well, Adama's there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he's not some he doesn't want to function without the old man. You know, he he doesn't want to be out there without Adama. Yeah, I think he says at one point he goes, The deal was I'm with you sort of thing. Um, yeah, he just, it was always to be the two of them working together, not him shouldering the entire responsibility of the fleet. Yeah, because, um, obviously he's standing by the bedside and he keeps going to him like he's seeking advice, even though he knows he's not going to answer him. There's, there's plenty of them scenes why, why Adama's unconscious. Yeah. But, uh. But again, we've got multiple plots going on, um, and as as Dragon said, they're all leading into stuff that's going on later on. So the guy in the lane, the threads to pull together later, and the other plot that's going on is uh, our old favourite, Gaius Bolter, and his on-off Solon detector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which we know, of course, um, actually does work. Yeah. Nobody else does. Nobody else knows that works. <laughs> He does, and he does, and he lied about it. And in fact, I think isn't, isn't this the last we ever hear of the Cylon detector? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I think, think so. Because he basically tells him it doesn't work. Yeah, because Ty shuts him down with it. Basically, <laughs> he goes, "I want something reliable myself." <laughs> yeah, and then it, although he does tell Boomer it worked, not that that matters. Yeah, but... not that anybody else hears that apart from <laughs> Ty, but he's too worried about. <laughs> um. What else is just happening just before he gets drugged? <laughs> yeah. And I love the old uh, the fact that the doctor knows exactly how long he's got to live uh, down to the second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if you actually count it out, the time it takes him is actually way past that <laughs> count as well. That's pretty typical for TV and movies. Yeah. So you've got, you've got one minute and then, you know, two minutes later... You've got 30 seconds. Yeah, it's like, um, and here we go with the first dodge. It's like in Star Trek where they've got uh, 30 minutes till lethal radiation. And then it's like, you've got 29 minutes till lethal radiation. So uh, at 29 minutes and 30 seconds, you're still okay. You're not going to get lethal radiation. But once you hit that 30 minute, I see it, mate, you're dead. Yep. So yeah, I know, I don't know what he injected him with, but. Um, something nasty. Something nasty, yeah. Baltar's got his hands on some nasty stuff. Of course, it is Baltar. It could have been just, you know, I don't know, a sedative or something. Yeah. Well, he, he did look quite panicked. He completely lying. But yeah, he did look quite panicked when she finally Probably, gave the yeah. number. He did look quite panicked, but the, the other thing was an all is if it was just a sedative, then her doing CPR to him could have actually killed him anyway. Possibly, yeah. So, and mind you, we probably would have just blamed her, you know, seeing as everyone hates her anyway, so. Oh, yeah. But we do learn, which is a later thread, that there's eight Cylons in the fleet. So, is that eight left, or is that eight in total? It's funny, because that little revelation, I don't think that really comes into play until you get to the miniseries, or the, the movie 
plan. Because I never counted, but I think there's actually more than eight. Though, I don't think that number actually ties into anything else. Well, they've uncovered some already, as we know. You know, they've airlocked one. Um, they've marooned one on... on well, they think they marooned one. You know, uh, they've found Boomer. Yeah. So it does, you know, from first watch perspective, uh, when I remember when I was first watching it, she said there's eight, and I'm thinking, well, does that mean there's five? Well, he did ask the question, how many are mm-hmm. left in the fleet? Yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah because no. we do know, well, you've got the six, but of course, well, that one was from Pegasus. Um, you've got another... Um, uh, there's at least one more six out there somewhere. Yeah. There was yeah. another six. Um, there was. Oh, forget there's which numbers the, they are now. There's one of the cabals. I mean, it's the first, uh, the one we'll meet at the end of this season, the priest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's Gaius's personal six. Well, actually, when you watch the plan, there's what five of them at least that he, yeah, at least. Um, they're talking to. Um, so there's at least five there. But least, I think that was just a number she pulled out of her head because he just <laughs> wanted an answer, to be honest. But did you not? Did you notice the similarity that um, her model is the eighth model as well? True. It could be the reason why she just came up with that number. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe she's just programmed with eight in her head. Well, the thing is, she had not been directly connected to any of their data feeds. So she probably wouldn't have known anyway, so I very much doubt that that number that was given was actually accurate to the well, she might have been, anyway. She might have been hooked up to their data feed when they triggered her assassination thing. Well, the only time we know that they actually do any sort of communication like that is when it comes to the download um, when they die. We don't know of any other communication there because when they do any other data mining like that, they actually have to have connection to their ship through their consoles. So we don't know of any other sort of Wi-Fi connection that they have. So I very much doubt that would be the case. So she wouldn't have up-to-date information about how many's in the fleet because it would have depended on which ships got there sort of thing. Yeah, but uh, uh, Baltar does make the the assumption that Angel's what he called the subconscious. So basically a deep buried part of her memory core. You know, it's in there. Because obviously there is sub deeply buried in her memory core because they you know they had to he had to be there for her to um do the assassination attempt yeah but that could have just been assassinate the leader as not specific to a person yeah but then if you just do assassinate the leader that could be interpreted as the political leader rather than the military leader well she was embedded into the military so it would have been the battlestar commander i would have thought for her as her directive hmm Anyway, getting back on with the episode. Um, Ty running the show, as we know, it's always a bad idea. And it goes south very, very quickly. When the fleet decides it doesn't want to play, let's play Happy Fleet anymore. It wants to play, let's do Civil Revolution. Yeah, they strike, basically. Yeah, and Ty takes a leaf out of God knows whose book on diplomacy and responds with brute force. Being way without her copy. Oh, uh, I want to say it's more like it, it kind of like a Boston Massacre kind of thing, if we're going for historical Well, I think somewhere it was actually referenced that Moore had actually said at some point that when it came to, um, especially the shooting, um, Moore had actually um, said that um, it compares the Gideon um, Massacre as such to the Boston Massacre where a group of ill-prepared soldiers um, get faced with um, a mob. They hear a noise. And they basically, they're panicking and they shoot unarmed people. So um, how much truth is in that, I don't know. But <laughs> Well, it's, it's worth noting that the um, eventually with the Boston Massacre, the... Um, officer in charge was actually acquitted of the charges. Yes, I do know that, yeah. Much was just Travis Justice that was. But, you know, we see we see the other side of 
that here because we stick with the military guys, you know, and and we see how sort of tortured that poor dumb pilot was who lost control of the situation. Yeah, but I mean, the the, the part um, the dig that certainly it falls on tie though. It falls on tie, but the, there is the dig that he makes uh, that they make to him about you know you put a fighter pilot in charge of a, a combat unit. Yeah. Which is something weird that we see on TV all the time. And, and not just in this show either. I mean, they used to do weird things like sending pilots on commando missions in... Um, well, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Space Above and Beyond. Oh, yes. Oh, God, yeah. I, I love oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, colonial, always bothered colonial me about that show. Other, I was really good, good show otherwise. Great show. Yeah. yeah. It's just a sort of a funny thing. And very, very similar in uh, the way the ships worked as well with this incarnation of oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, I did like the I saw, I saw a lot of a lot of similarities. And the Tubies were the outcasts of society. God, Balas, God. I wonder if that's on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> that That's a good question, though. I want to know that, too. I haven't yeah. watched that for years. No, me neither. It's a shame they cancelled it because they sort of left it at a cliffhanger, didn't they? Yeah, because it got cancelled suddenly. It was Hammerheads, weren't it? The ships were yeah. called Hammerheads. Hammerheads, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did like that. I loved the Colonel in it as well. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Morrison is his last name. I can't remember his first name. James? Yeah. Jonathan? Something like that? Someone, someone like that, yeah. Yeah, he's been in 24 and a whole load of other things as well. Yeah, but he was just a brilliant character. Because he was a tuba. And he overcome, basically, all the stigmatism to do with it and everything rose up the ranks, so... Yeah. yeah, that's so much potential. And again, similarities to history with the uh, the Vietnam War. So, yeah, brilliant show. Anyway, major diversion. <laughs> <laughs> I am so going to look that up when we finished. We finished here, I'm going to so going to look that up so it is on Netflix. <laughs> it's nice to know that even without Xander, we can totally, you know, randomly go off on tangents on other sci-fi oh, oh yeah, no, we, yeah we've never needed Xander just to do that no, no, we, we, we <laughs> did that quite absolutely before so yeah usually when Xander he- is here it's usually we veer off in other directions that aren't sci-fi a lot of the time uh, hi Xander uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should point out as well for those of you that don't know Xander also is the audio editor of this podcast so everything we say he will hear he will hear so, you know um, anyway, get back to the show. So it goes so fast. As we've said, they send over the Marines to see supplies, which has terrible results. Um, meanwhile, the other plot that's going on is uh, Leah Dama decides that he's basically going to help the president escape. Yeah. Well, because of course, this show it's titled Resistance, and. It's got resistance on multiple fronts. One is the resistance from the civilian ships. Um, two is the resistance from people who don't like Ty being in charge on Galactica. And then there's the resistance that's on Caprica that we'll get to in a little bit. Um, so I thought it was a very good title. Although if you ever do search for this episode, um, make sure you actually go to the one that's about the episode and not the group. <laughs> um are you telling us something, Gaston? Did you go to the wrong one? Oh, I've talking about it once before with a friend, and it's just like, well, there's a lot of information about this resistance, and of course it was the resistance from later on. And it's just like, are you sure you're looking at the stuff from the episode? <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's I, can titled, see, I can see how that would happen. And I think he said that it's like titled The Resistance. I said, no, you'll need to look for the episode one. It's just like, yeah, that makes a bit more sense now. <laughs> just just before we move into the, um, the basically the, um, the incitement to what could be a civil war, did you get when Six was talking to Boltard in his ear uh, while Callie was going on about the toasters and she's saying that's racist and all that? Did you notice how Baltar's dealing a lot better with her being in his ear all night, though? Well, you know, this is the the post Cobal Baltar. You know, I think he's gonna he's got a lot more confidence. Um, I think he's come to terms with some things because you know, 
a traumatic and crazy experience that he just had. Well, not just that. It's not like Callie gave him much time to think or to react to her. Um, whereas with a lot of the other situations, people are waiting for him to speak. Callie wasn't really giving him that chance. She was attacking him. So, of course, he had to think quick because, of course, he's all about self-preservation. And Yes, yeah. but in the, in the prison cell later when she's talking to him as well, he, he deals with it a lot. I mean, yes, he still puts his hand on hers, but it, from uh, the chief's point of view, it just looks like he's put his hand on his chest. But he just actually he actually handles the duplicity of the conversation a lot better now. He's just kind of starting to figure it out, I guess. Yeah. Although I, I was thinking that... Getting a little more smoother with his lies. <laughs> yeah, well, he's always been good at that. <laughs> <laughs> But I did, I did actually, I actually thought about, you know, if, if toaster is a racist term, um, if the Silence and the Humans Act actually managed to cohabitate, do you think they actually would have named, changed the name of a toaster? <laughs> that's not a question that's ever been asked before. I mean, what if you went into an electronic shop to order a toaster and you got served by a Solomon? You say, I want a, um, a bread heating device. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Ron Dennis speak for those who get that joke. Yeah, they will. So, um, so anyway, yeah, we get back to it. So, Adama, um, did you think? Oh, oh, yeah, that was the other thing. Did you think Gaita knew what was going on? Oh, he did. He he, he went. To, um, oh, forgot her yeah, name now. Um, Dwala. Yeah. You know, he he was checking around. Obviously, you know, he he could see what was going on, or at least he could sort of start to put the pieces together. And and he obviously chose to say nothing. Well, he approached her, saying about um, the unauthorized calls that he knows she's been making. And then later on, near the end of the episode, when Ty turns around and says to Gator, "Okay." There must be some sort of sign of who's behind this. Has there been any unauthorized um, communications? And he just went, nope. And he no, knew sir. full well what was going on. Yeah, yeah, because he wouldn't know about all the traffic. Yeah, he. he it's he, it's he, interesting he, that sort of other than that moment, he didn't necessarily take a side. Yeah, he he was very sort of cool. He did his job. But when it came down to it, he supported the move in his own little way, which then goes on to what happens later on with other things that he does. But we'll get into that in other episodes because he does exactly the same thing then. A long time from now. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was very good because that sort of set up his character. I thought when I started doing the rewatch. It sets right up for this episode. Who, yeah, maybe isn't quite so reticent to break the rules as we might have thought rather earlier oh it came to me as he will break the rules but it'll be so the right thing is done he knew that ty being in charge and the president being in the brig was the wrong thing yeah he but he'll break the rules at this precise moment in time to get what he thinks is the right thing done which is basically to have a civilian government running the yeah. show as opposed to military dictatorship. But later on in the series, he does change that stance uh, without, we obviously we're not going to talk about it now, but he does change that stance when it becomes Baltar's right-hand man, shall we say. Yeah. But the other, the other thing that I noticed about this is how, I mean, this, this is basically the essence of civil wars, where you have to choose a side. And we have an awful lot of the military personnel who, while they are f flatly loyal to the commander, know that this is wrong what Ty's doing and therefore we need to do something about it. They're not quite so loyal to Ty, I think. No, they're, they're loyal to Adama but of course there's nothing they can do at the moment but when the opportunity comes and when Roslyn escapes then it's like the soldier who says look, either shoot me or let me pass. And she knows her going is the right thing, and she does nothing. Yeah, and then there's, obviously there's quite a few personnel involved in this. There's her uh, basically prison officer who allows himself to get beat up so he can do the escape. There's yeah, was it make it look good but not too good? Yeah, make it look good but not too good. Yeah, <laughs> not too good, and then wham. 
Yeah, there's 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 crash uh, rice track. Sorry, not crash down. Rice track, who basically secures the raptor so it's ready to fly. Um, there's the cotton, who signs off on the medical emergency. Yeah, there's he's an, great oh, in this episode. Yeah, um, yeah it, you're, like, you're not a very good salesperson. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's got some great one-liners. That that's just what he exists for is those one-liners. Yeah. Yeah, and he still never ceases to make me laugh that this bloke is in the in the infirmary smoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder if that sort of harkens back to like old submarines. They used to let you smoke on submarines. Yeah, and apparently they let yeah. you on Battle Stars. Yeah, if you're, if you're the only doctor. Well, I thought it was always a sort of callback to the 1970s series because they were always smoking um, cigars and that. Um, in that one, so I always just chalked it up to being a callback to that. Yeah, of course. Well, they they do smokes. smoke in the mess room, don't they, when they're playing cards and that? Yeah. In fact, in fact, uh, one of the previous episodes, didn't she retrieve some cigars from her apartment? Yeah, she did. Yeah, Starbucks loves a good cigar. I wonder if the Cuban. Well, Cuba doesn't exist yet, right? No, that's true. Doesn't spoiler. exist in this time. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Caprica version of Cuba. Then. There you go. There you go. There, there must be some. Thing like well, let's, that let's be honest. Someone on Caprica invented a Hummer, so you know maybe there's a Cuba as well. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and I, I do like the fact that you have got people choosing the side, and and the irony of the person she turns to for help. Is the person who's trying to bring her down anyway, which is Tom Zarek. Well, we've said before, he's wanting to be in charge. He's wanting a government which will do what it needs to, which he never, to be honest, thought she was the right person. But as things develop, that changes. Um, now, of course, the one thing, as we've mentioned before, when it comes to Tom and um, Zarek is that he does not want the military in charge. He would much rather Roslyn be in charge. He knows he won't be, but he'd much rather her be in charge, especially more than Ty. Yeah. So it's sort of that pragmatism that, you know, he'll do whatever he needs to do and change whatever views he needs to change in order to get done what he thinks should be done. Yeah. Now, did you notice the homage to the original series on Cloud Nine? I don't think I did. I'd be the last person to notice because I have never seen the original series. Yeah. When she greets Tom Sarek, who, as we know, in the original series was Apollo, the shuttle that she gets off as the walking over is, in the background, is a shuttle from the original series. Oh, that's right. I did, I did see that one. I didn't actually I notice read about that. That, one. Yeah, that, that shuttle actually gets used a couple more times, I think, this season. Yeah. I just thought it was wonderful how they, they very, very subtly did it because this is the original Apollo and this is a shuttle from his show. <laughs> I should I should tell my uh, Richard Hatch story real quick. So I went to Star Trek Las Vegas uh, in 2014 and uh, Richard Hatch was there because, of course, he's doing the um, fan film uh, Axonar. And... So he was, he was signing autographs, and, and you know one of the first days of the convention, um, I, I went to the Starbucks, because I'm just addicted to Starbucks, um, and the guy in front of me in the line turns around, and it's Richard Hatch, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is like my first moment of, oh my god, I'm actually at this convention where all these celebrities are around, and I'm in, you know, the line at Starbucks with Tom Zarek. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured, you know, they, they probably, you know, they spend all day talking to fans. You know, when he's in line at Starbucks, he probably wants to be left alone. So I, you know, smiled, nodded, and went about my order. He probably appreciated that, to be honest. It's one of those weird things where you're sort of in that confined space with, with all of these people, you know, and you're, you're riding the elevator with Michelle Nichols, and, <laughs> you know, you're seeing the guys from Enterprise walk past you in the lobby and things like that. So, yeah, I, I figure they probably appreciate not being mobbed when they're outside the convention itself yeah i do know someone who uh, went to a convention in melbourne in australia and they got into the lift to go back to their room and in the lift was um 
a member of the Deep Space Nine cast. And it was one of their moments where they were thinking, do I or don't I say something? Um, but, you know, it's, it's yeah, I, I, can, I can't say I've ever been in that situation, so I wouldn't know. It, it was a first for me, that's for sure. Yeah, although I do like the fact that he was in Starbucks. There you go. He didn't send yeah, his Apollo, PA. Apollo was in a Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also nice that he got his own coffee. Yeah, not everybody has assistance for that sort of thing. No. Well, no, but I mean, at a convention, they normally have um, runners and that, don't they, for it. So. <laughs> well, I was trying to remember when exactly it was. I, I didn't know if it was before the, the the main convention hall opened in the morning or something like that. Yeah, because, I mean, Steve will know, but we had Star Trek London not long ago, and when all the stars come out, they all had a little helper next to them all the time. Yeah, so. yeah, I remember when I was there. Um, of course, Tim Russ finished his set, and I thought, oh, because he was basically walking past me. Um, but I didn't even bother trying to talk to him because so many people were on him trying to get selfies and everything else. And I thought, he's just finished doing a set because um, his band was playing. Just let the man have a drink. So oh, no, yeah. I, I didn't even bother trying to ask a question, shake his hand or anything else like that because I just thought, he deserves to just go get a drink. <laughs> just let him walk <laughs> to the bar, please. No kidding. Um, but oh, I, I had his um, his sister asked me for directions. It, it was pretty funny. I was just walking down towards the convention hall, and this lady who was walking next to me said, um, "Hey, can you tell me where such and such restaurant is?" And she says, and so I directed her and said, "Oh, thanks. My my brother played Tuvok. I'm just meeting him here for lunch." <laughs> oh my god! I couldn't <laughs> like, like that's pretty cool. What's he say? Never heard of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, who's Tuva? That that wouldn't fly because I had you know a Star Trek T-shirt on. So oh, why not? Yeah, that wouldn't work. That nah. wouldn't work. Anyway, nah. Battlestar. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Back to Battlestar. So we, we're the president's escaped. Tom Zarek's helping. Um, Billy stays drunk. on the ship. Billy stays on Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, because he said he he won't be he won't being part of something that could ignite a civil war. Now, before we get on to what's been happening on Caprica, because we've sort of almost covered everything that's been going on with Galactica. Well, you've, you've got to do the, the Lee Harvey Oswald moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's... Callie just walks right up and shoots Boomer as they're taking her through the hall in chains. Um, it's a great moment, which... And, and I know this for a fact because I listened to the commentary is is totally modeled on the you know the thing where Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald in a parking garage. Yeah, um, I, I, I did get it on my notes because it was on the uh, Aaron Douglas. That's it. Said they totally modeled it on on that. Totally. But what I liked was the fact that you can hear shouts in the background that just said, "Oh no, they've shot Boomer," sort of thing. So, yeah, you, it's, it's the little things that make that scene a lot. I mean, obviously, as soon as you see it, you, you get the historical reference. But it's the little things that amplify all that. Well, it's just the fact that they're all um, shouting at her because of what she'd done. But yet, still, as soon as she was shot, their first reaction was, oh no, they have shot her. Which, of course, a lot of people have known her f- for a long time sort of thing. And it was just good that, as you said, the little things, that they had that sort of reaction in. So even though they're still dealing with the fact that she's a Cylon and this, you know, sudden revelation and she shot the old man, you know, there's still that that history that they have. Yeah. Which, of course, you, you really feel when she dies in the chief's arms. Yeah. And it, it does it does get referenced in the next episode, which obviously we'll cover at the time. But it does get referenced about you know, we all knew her. So there's, there's like this double-edged sword to the whole thing. Well, on the topic of uh, things the Chief had said and um, notes, one of my notes was, I think this was the first time that we hear the name Pegasus. Because the Chief, when he's being sort of accused of being a Cylon, he's saying, I served aboard this ship, this ship and this ship. And that's the first time I remember hearing the name Pegasus. That's right, he does say Pegasus, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. yeah. But 
I can't remember when Pegasus comes in whether or not the chief knows any of that crew. I don't think it's ever said. I, I, I not a, I can't remember off the top of my head if anyone does, but I, I don't think so. Because it's you'd think because there there would have been a lot of long term people on that ship, and especially as it is a newer ship as well, that he would have known people in it. But especially with everything that transpires, um, it made me think. Hmm. Um, but of course, it then made me start thinking: Is that the same Pegasus? Because of course, that is a newer ship. About whether or not that was an older ship which got decommissioned and another ship took its place because you know how ship names get reused in the military um so when one's decommissioned you'll usually get another one named after that one so it made me think hmm did he actually serve on the pegasus we see later on or was it a different one i, I personally took it as it was a different one uh, based on the fact that um Galactica is one of the older generation. Yeah. So I took it as a different one and, and basically got reassigned when that one... Because they always take a ship out of commission and then replace it. Yeah. You know, it's like... Uh, they, they don't they don't build... The ship that's going to have the same name is not built while the other one's still in service. Exactly. Um, so that's what made me start thinking about whether it would have been a different Pegasus in the first place. Because the Chief's been part of... Um, Galactica for quite a while because he's one of the longer serving members of the crew. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, you take Enterprise. I mean, Greg is probably in a better position to answer this than me and you. But you take Enterprise. Was they building the ship that's now called Enterprise before they decommissioned the carrier? Sometimes they, you know, they'll have ship. Ship building takes a long time, you know, like. 18 months things like you know it, it takes a long time so you're going to have these the hull laid down you're going to have the ship built um before a long time probably before you decide what it's actually going to be so you know you got a ship in the shipyard you decide okay the enterprise is old we're going to decommission it so we're going to make that one that we're already building the new enterprise and in fact uh, you know during the war world war ii when we had carriers sunk they would several times they took a ship that already had a name that was in the shipyards and said okay that's the new hornet or whatever yeah because it's a symbol yeah that, yeah that makes sense and in fact we had it we had there is an example of that on uh star trek deep space nine when the defiant gets destroyed they take a ship that was being built and i believe it was supposed to be the sao paulo and yeah, they that's right. renamed it the defiant and gave it cisco yeah, they get this special dispensation to rename it Defiant, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. There you go. It's like, well, it's, yeah, but there is some shit. I think, I think that's the only one that's actually mentioned on screen. I think there, there's the implication that in, oh, let's see, Star Trek Four, you know, in Star Trek Three, the Enterprise gets destroyed. In Star Trek Four, they get a new Enterprise. And I think the implication is that that was going to be some other ship and it was renamed the Enterprise. Yeah, well, there, there is the hint that um, the Enterprise was going to be decommissioned because it was 20 years old. So there is the hint that they would have been, obviously, which that's one of those ones where there was no way it could only be 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you retrofit this to motion picture? Yeah. It should have been at least 30 to 40 years old, but that's another. That's another. That's, <laughs> that's, another, that's, another, for, that's a goof for another podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll hand that over to the uh, Dribbles and Ecstasy guys. Yeah. There you go. So, pass the, yeah. Pass the memo one. Down on Caprica. Um, this yes, is where... Back to Caprica. Yeah. This is where we first... Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you go to Caprica, I just want to say one thing. The president makes a point about the press having a field day. Right? I still have an awful lot of problems with these tiny little press corps that seem to have an awful lot of sway in a fleet of less than 50,000 people. Just well, wanted to say that. Well, they've got nothing else to listen to apart from the press. Yeah. Oh, and the counts. Did you get the counts? Um, 47,861. There you go. Yeah, it's down one, I think it was, for this Yeah, one. it's going to be a day more, a lot more after this, because they killed four. But there you go. Sorry to say, <laughs> carry on. But yeah, we head down to Caprica, actually quite early on 
um, in um, the episode where you actually f get to see other humans on Caprica for the first time since, well, they rescued people. Yeah. Was it may or did Pyramid look boring? It's always looked boring. It, it looked too small to have, like, a huge team like they apparently have. Yeah, I did think that. I mean, one on maybe, one. Maybe when, maybe when they play it on pro professionally, you know, maybe there's a it's a bigger court. Well, no, they said um, it was the correct size and everything else. But whether or not people get rotated or something else like that, we never truly know. We only ever see a handful of people on the court at a time. So it could be that so many people are on there for a small amount of time before being like tagged in or something. Yeah. And I can't remember how much they sh actually show it in the show, Cameron. I don't think they show it. I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember. But I just, I mean, when I was playing one on one, I was thinking, man, that, that game would get boring fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, most games like that are boring to me, but. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there is that, yeah. I think they tried to do, uh, like, I don't know, elements of, of baseball and elements of basketball and, and, and tried to amalgamate uh, some sports into like this. It's like in um, Star Trek when you get Ambu Jiu-Jitsu. It's that type of thing. But yeah, it didn't work. Although I did like the fact that Anders did say most of what we do we've learned from movies. I thought that was funny. That's a great line. Because, I mean, how realistic is that? I mean, you have this... You know, they're not combat soldiers. You know, it'd be like... You know, the Harlem Globetrotters are the resistance. You know, they're not going to have shotguns before. They're, you know, they're, gonna, they're just going to be doing what they've seen in, on Die Hard. It's what I like is, of course, um, you've got, um, on the surface, you've got um, Kara and um, got Thrace and... Um, Hilo. Hilo. Oh, I'm awful for names today. So yeah, Starbuck and Hilo, um, they're trying to figure out where to go. They're looking at a map and it's just like, do you hear that? Because they're not exactly quiet. <laughs> and you've you got to wonder how they managed to win attacks on the Cylons, <laughs> given how much noise they made. Maybe the Cylons are letting him win. But that's the, other, that's the thing I have and all with um, their base of operations. The Cylons don't patrol here. Why? Well, it looked like it was a very old school that had been closed down for a long time. So, plus we already know that the Cylons are concentrating on rebuilding the cities. So, I would probably expect that they stopped patrolling lots of these places out in the sticks to concentrate their efforts into these things. Because they're not really worried too much about these groups of people because they can take care of them at any point, really. Yeah, and there is, there is all the belief that basically all the humans are dead. Yeah. But I like the bit where they're going, how do we know you're not a Cylon <laughs> sort of thing when they <laughs> have each other at gunpoint? Yeah. The other thing with this and all is, though, is, is, is if you're in any military aspect, if you're getting hit in a certain area, then you know that the people hitting you are in that area. So if that's their base of operations, they would be hissing within a radius of there. So from a military point of view, you draw the circle around where you're getting hit, and then you work inwards. Well, not necessarily. We don't know what transport they have had access to. They've got Hummers. Yeah, but whether they've got access Ground to transport. fuel all the time. But they could have driven hundreds of miles before attacking a target. So it's not always that it could be local. Well, you... From what they say about the heavy raider, they, they work in because he comes regular as clockwork, he said. So you would assume that... Well, we're actually on to the next episode now. Yeah, sorry, jumping ahead. But <laughs> that reference tells you that they operate in a certain area because there's familiarity with what the Cylons are doing. Yeah, but it doesn't but, mean that the Cylons also, would be able we to find them easily. anything of the Cylons, you know, what they plan, what they're thinking, um, what... And, and we start to get glimpses of what they're doing on New Caprica in the next episode. Yes, yes. But it's my thought that they're actually letting these guys live for some purpose. Well, yeah, there is, there is. We do know that they do like to like basically do the old um, 
mouse in a maze with humans. So it could be part of that. Yeah. It's a science experiment. Yeah. And I also did like the fact that they have kept Starbuck covered in scratches and bruises, and she hasn't miraculously healed overnight. No, only only Hilo miraculously heals. <laughs> yeah. That's because he's had sex with a silo. So the, the healing power is like an STD. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what it is, yeah. The transfer of fluid heals you. Okay. Although that does get blown out the window in the next episode. But still. Uh, um, where else was I going to say? I was just, while you was talking today, I did some, I did some um, Googling. And it's... You mean the thing that you said you don't do? Yeah, the thing that I said I don't do. Which but website it, did you end up on? Uh, <laughs> I, I can't give my sources away. But it does we, actually We won't say, go there. <laughs> it does actually say that there's... Um, the line of thinking from the production type of view was there was 12 in total, so there's 8 silence left. So they've killed Shello, they've killed uh, Leo, they've killed Aaron, and now they've killed Boomer, so that leaves 8 more. So she basically just said what they already knew anyway, although yeah. she doesn't know that they know. Yeah, basically. But they may have, over the remaining season, I would say, they probably won't, they probably don't show exactly eight in the fleet no but that would be eight models in the fleet not eight yeah Uh, and the Columbia and the Atlanta and the Pegasus that Tyrol uh, reference are all names that uh, have a reference to production crew in relation to real ships so that was that's an interesting point they could have done like Stargate when Colonel O'Neill wanted to call the ship the Enterprise (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I love that line with cars just saying we cannot call it the enterprise why yeah, why? <laughs> because the prometheus is a greek tragedy it's a tragedy <laughs> yeah i was actually just watching that the other day yeah who names their ship after the greek tragedy how is that going to inspire you that is exactly what i tweeted the other day too because in, in star trek online they just named a, sh- a ship class the icarus and i'm like thinking that doesn't end well yeah, I start did, naming I things about naming that. things Icarus. Yeah, especially now that they've redone the maps. So when you fly up to a solar system, you're you're part right next to the sun. <laughs> Don't put your ship called Icarus next to the sun. <laughs> and I know it's cool and everything to name your ships after Greeks and Roman mythology things, but those are usually have really nasty endings. Yeah, actually, my ship's uh, the USS Agamemnon. So. He came to a good end. He came to a good end, yeah. And he was a good general. So, <clears throat> says a lot about my tactics. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to know more about tactics than the rest of us, though. You knew about how to search for a resistance group. Yeah, I've read Sun Zhu. Does that count? Yeah, well. I was going to join the military, so there you go. I did get accepted to Sandburst. Failed the medical in the end, but there you go. Passed all the other fingers. Well, you are not to be trifled with then. Except medically. Except medically. <laughs> <laughs> um, unlike, unlike most other Americans, I know what Sandhurst is. Yeah, oh, yeah, I should clarify that. Sandhurst <laughs> is uh, basically West Point in America. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. So you know what you know West Point military, is. Military uh, officers. Yeah. yeah. Basically, so yeah, I did all the exams and everything with that in mind. I was, I, my world came crashing down. But there you uh, go. I had a decision to make. I'd done everything apart from the physical, and I'd even got um, the train tickets through for my physical to go into the army. And um, at the last moment, I decided it'd be computing that I'd go into. So, yeah, I, I actually took the physical three times. I got my fitness up so I could pass it, because um, I was always a tall, big bloke. Um, I just hadn't got the upper strength to lift it all because um, of the weight that I was. Um, so although I wasn't fat, um, yeah, I was just big and heavy. Um, so I just had to build that up and I'd actually got to that level that was required. Um, but yeah, my allergies were getting, and because I've got eczema, it was just getting so much worse that I thought, yeah, it's not fair on other people if I go out into the field and all I do is sneeze. Um, 
So yeah, it's just like, no, um, best if I don't put myself into that sort of position. Now, and given how much worse it got, that was probably a good choice. <laughs> yeah. We all end so, up in different places from where we might have thought. Yeah. Indeed. Which is, which is kind of the premise of Battlestar Galactica when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. None of these people thought they were going to be on a ragtag fleet running for their lives in the apocalypse. No. Although, um, seeing as we're military bent, uh, I did notice that there was a, a British army rifle in this episode, which is. There's quite a variety of small arms that you see among the resistance fighters. Which yeah. I thought was good because um, it's. They've said they've done lots of raids to get arms and everything else. So it shows what it is they've been doing. They've got weapons from anywhere and everywhere. So I thought it was good that it's not all one weapon sort of thing. You're not just seeing everyone with P90s and stuff like that. No, but I did think it was funny how um, everyone shoots. I mean, it was a bit like the A-Team. Everyone was throwing rounds everywhere and no one got hurt. But I did think it was funny how Starbuck had to go at them for being bad shots where she didn't actually manage to hit any of them either. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, they're all undercover. So. But, yeah. yeah and it's the same with all these TV shows. Or just trying to pin them down a little bit so they can get undercover themselves, I think. Yeah. But even the guy with... The, the other guys are just bad shots. Yeah. But the one guy had a massive hunting rifle with a massive scope on and he still couldn't hit them. Well, it doesn't mean he knew how to use it. Yeah. No. They even say... I, I, I was rubbish at target shooting too, so... Yeah, maybe it's like uh, when you give the person who's the worst shot the shotgun, so all he has to do is point. <laughs> <laughs> but no, even Starbuck remarks on how bad they are at shooting and moving and <laughs> everything. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, great. I think we've basically ripped resistance to pieces um, you know it, it, it's not a bad episode it's just I, I think these two episodes that we're recording today this one and, and for the next episode is um, it suffers a little bit from a slowdown after the first the first what three four episodes are great and then it kind of loses momentum a little bit I think it loses momentum in the, uh, in some aspects but I also think it's because it's they're doing they're like having a reset and then they're laying threads for other stuff later. Yeah, you always get these episodes where it's setting up the storylines. And especially in this one, you're introducing the people from the Resistance and mm -hmm. the Absolutely. Caprica Buccaneers um, and stuff like that. So it's doing a lot of setting up. And as you, Colin said, it's doing a reset. You've just had sort of Adama who's just been shot. So it's setting up. Ty's position, so it, it's creating all these storylines, which is what then the next several episodes are based on, um, primarily. Yeah, and I certainly don't blame them for doing that. I, it, it happened this way on this last season of The Walking Dead. I mean, the first three episodes were at, at this, you know, huge amount of tension, and they were great, and they were moving along, and really cracking pace, and then it just a, a complete slowdown after that as they set up new things. And, I don't know, it, it can be tough a little bit sometimes because those episodes don't end up being as good as the first few. And it feels it's, like a letdown, even even if they're alright. Yeah, it depends on what you're looking for in an episode. If it's always going to be the action and things like that. But on a story perspective, those slow episodes usually give you so much and you always end up with so many questions at the end of it. Um there's just like, oh, what's going to happen here, here, and here? And it's these are the episodes where you end up talking to your friends more at the end of the episode, not just like, oh, did you see this happen and this happen? It's like, oh, and then you end up talking for hours about the story and the characters, and you end up talking a lot more about these slow episodes than you actually usually even notice. Definitely more than uh, about the action-y episodes. Mm. So you're like, oh, hey, that cool fight scene, and then you're done. And this exactly. one, it's like, oh, man, I have so many questions. Exactly, because it's just like, oh, well, what's going to happen to Rosalind now she's on the run? Um, 
what's actually going to happen to Adama. Um, so there was we, we should we should mention um, as we as we wind down our episode of the podcast here um, the great scene at the end of the episode where Adama's back shows That's up at the right. door of Colonel Ty's room there and uh, says, what's been happening on my ship? And then he forgot about that, yeah. And But of course, he comes in just as Ellen Ty's sort of <laughs> cussing him down, saying, <laughs> sort of, you should be doing this, this and this and not trying to do what Bill does. And <laughs> It's almost like <laughs> you're doing something at school that you shouldn't be and the teacher walks in. <laughs> it's just like, speak of the devil and he shall appear. <laughs> How much of that did you hear? <laughs> and just like, can I be left alone? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, sure. Just, <laughs> just like, ow. Well, I'm sure there's a member of the crew that she hasn't been intimate with yet. Uh, she could find a way to kill an hour or two. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyway, that's resistance, folks. Um, I actually like it. I mean, you know, yeah, as you said, it was a bit slow, but it was basically a reset. But I did actually like it, apart from pyramid going which I just thought was done but there you go yeah well so, yeah because of course yeah she even says oh I see good to know that this was a high priority of the resistance to get a two scale replica of the court in place and he's like yeah yeah oh yeah that's that was the other thing I forgot to mention she said that she nearly made the pros if it wasn't for her knee so but we've also demonstrated in another episode that you need your knee needs to be able to take five G's. So what type of pressure is being put on your knee in a game of pyramid that exceeds five G's? <laughs> well maybe the thing maybe is maybe it's the other knee. Was the, oh, the, other knee. the problem with <laughs> Well she didn't say what problem she had. She could have had a problem with her knees which has since been rectified but at the time of trying to get into the professionals and the opportunity to do that past because of an injury or something because you know how if you suffer from an injury but yet there's a scouting on that day you don't play you don't get picked sort of thing so i took it that was the reason she didn't go in she had a problem with her knee um she didn't get picked she went into the um, armed services yeah makes sense so anyway that's resistance folks um so dragon where can people find you on the internet Best place to find me is on Twitter. My at handle is at Drogan, D-R-O-G-Y-N, 1701. Uh, and if you're a Star Trek Online fan, check out his podcast. Yes, the Foundry Roundtable. We are coming up on our 100th episode, which will probably be out by the time uh, anybody hears this. But uh, it's been a great ride, and we're looking forward to another 100. Congratulations. Not many podcasts make 100, so that's, that's a major milestone. Yeah. So, Steve, where can they find you? Actually, where can't they find you? That would be quicker. Um, can't think of anywhere. <laughs> um, they can get me on all the social networks at MidnightShadow7. That's night spelt N-I-T-E and with the number 7. And, yeah, I'm on several Star Trek and Star Trek Online podcasts. So, um, just look them up. <laughs> when you're not moonlighting on the uh, My Little Pony podcast, right? Of course. <laughs> yes, such a podcast whore. <laughs> so, I like to get around. Yeah. Um, and me, folks, you can find me on CLLMH01 on Google and Twitter. Um, and, of course, you're listening to this podcast, obviously, which is what you're hearing our voices. But we would appreciate it if you do listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher. If you could leave a nice little review because it helps us show up in the ratings, especially the five-star ones uh, on iTunes, because basically you get highlighted, and then the more we get highlighted, the more listings we get, and so on and so forth. So if you could go to your residence uh, iTunes in whatever country you're in, or Stitcher, whatever country you're in, and leave us a review, we very much appreciate it. Also check out the Hollow Street Media website for all the other podcasts that are on the network, um, and check them out with everything is on there there's star wars star trek um star trek online um battlestar galactica obviously which is this one so do check out the whole sweet media network and i would also like to say a personal thank you to everyone um who because uh, i know some of them do listen to this show 
who nominated Melodic Trek for the Parsec Awards, which is now a Parsec-nominated podcast. So thank you very much for doing that to everyone involved. Um, so until next week, when we are doing The Farm, or in our case, in 10 minutes' time, but from your point of view, two weeks' time, um, thanks for listening, thanks for downloading, and um, we'll speak to you soon. Take care, everyone. See you later.